Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, two guys who have never dropped a Matthew Stafford pass. Hey, howdy ho, Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions podcast game preview and episode 384. This is the official Detroit Lions podcast for Reddit. I am your dashing host. And now you get the extension. The 7 p.m. end of the shift doesn't hurt so bad. Oh, Cody Ortiz is with us. How you doing, man? So good to have you. I'm doing good, Chris. How are you? I am so great. Um, I, I got you two extra listeners this week. My uh, my wife was visiting nice. her parents and uh, got them on. Got to put on Tony. Tony does a thing with Chris. So they were listening to Tony this week. Nice. They're well, like, thank you to the family for listening. I appreciate it. <laughs> Everybody every, loves Every it. listener helps. So thank you. <laughs> All right. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to be meeting up against the Cardinals this week in Ford Field. That should be a lot of fun. I mean, it's just another notch in the victory belt for the Lions. Uh, really quick uh, chant about uh, St. Jude, where we landed on that. The injury report has some game predictions. I think Tony's really thinking big for the Lions this week. We'll have that and a whole lot more. Tio, are you ready to go, buddy? I'm ready. <laughs> Let's kick this off and break it down. Oh, man. That feels so good. I love the that big dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. So energetic. All right, let's get into it. We are meeting the Arizona Cardinals this week at Ford Field. And, and boy, oh, boy, is there a rich – there is a rich history. I, I'm surprised when I do these sometimes. I look at the, the metadata on these, these uh, meetups and see how many or how few times we met. The Broncos, the how few, really stunned me. And now we come to the Cardinals, and we've met them 68 times. It's not bad. That's that, a lot. It feels like it lately. It feels like in the last decade we play them every year. Every year, yes, <laughs> yes. There, it, it, the it, there used to be a year? joke running around when when I did the games that it's like, okay, it's the divisional rivals, Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago. Oh yeah, Arizona is going to be on the schedule. And for a while, there was like every single year it was Arizona. I thought we swapped Tampa Bay out for, for Arizona. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Tampa Bay goes. Arizona, hello. Yeah, yeah, all right. Well, the Lions are ahead in the series. They're up 34 to 28 with six ties. That's a lot of ties for this series. Yeah. <laughs> Most recent one was in, what was it, 2019, 2020? Oh, yes, 2019. I remember that game. That was probably the time when I really realized that this may be the end of my Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to believe it, but I could, in my heart, I could feel that little crack. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, let's see. The Lions won the last meeting. They haven't lost in the last four, meaning there was a tie in there. But mm-hmm. in the last 11, they're 3-7-1. and one. In the last 19, they're 6-12-1. A lot of wins early in the series between the teams, but recently the uh, the Cardinals have been pretty pretty powerful. The Cardinals have been surprisingly a good team at times. There have been times when they've really, Chris, taken a step backwards and you thought, okay, this team is just not going anywhere. And then they get this surge. Kurt Warner a few years ago when the Cardinals ended up going to the Super Bowl. That yeah. was a pretty good team. And the team they're bringing into Detroit on Sunday with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray and those guys. That's a pretty good team as well. They they have played the Lions tougher than their schedule and at their level of their schedule late recently. It's just been interesting to see how they've come through. I did not have a lot of faith in Cliff Kingsbury when he came over. I, didn't I was either. like, no, there's no way. Yet here we are, right? I not only did I not have a lot of faith in Cliff Kingsbury, Chris, I didn't have a lot of faith in Kyler Murray. Because yeah. the year before that, remember, they took Josh Rosen with their mm-hmm. first round draft pick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, they've given up on Josh Rosen after a year. And I thought Josh Rosen was going to turn out to be a good NFL quarterback. And they brought in Kyler Murray. There was the questions about the height, whether he had the arm to play in the NFL. And it, it just felt like you're compounding one mistake of a first round pick with another mistake of a quarterback in the first round. But as it turns out, they were the ones who were right. And, you know, I'm sitting here with egg on my face. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions follow that model. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, just with who's available this year. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, let's see. When do you think the first time these guys met was? What year do you think that was? You know what? 
the Cardinals have been around a long time. I'm going to go back to 1934. Oh, not bad. 1930. Nice. Yeah. Before anybody was anybody, it was the Portsmouth Spartans and the Chicago Cardinals. In Portsmouth, a tie, of course. Zero, zero. (laughs) Had to be a real real heck of a game, a nail-biter there. Uh, (laughs) Total points scored between the teams. Uh, Cardinals have 1,138. The Lions with 1,252 with a gap of 1.67 points per game. And if I think about the biggest memory is just that we see them so darn often. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, I was thinking about this, Tio. Um, we see them all the time, it seems like, especially in the last decade. I've seen us play. I mm-hmm. feel like they beat us all the time, no matter whether, whether they're good or bad. We should win. They should right. win. It feels like they beat us every time. But there's no – I mean, I remember watching Larry Fitzgerald play. I've seen you know Calvin. I've seen a lot of great players. But there's no just big – ringing item that stands out in the series with between the teams it's weird because they meet so much you'd think that there'd be that rivalry that's something but there's two things that stand out to me chris one game related one not game related i'll do the not game related first okay when you leave phoenix to go to the stadium university of phoenix stadium out there in glendale the drive is city city then you hit the highway and then the moment you leave the city it's desert 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 big stadium that looks like a ufo in the middle of the desert 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 desert. so it's a really desolate drive it's basically you're looking at nothing until you get to the stadium and believe me you can see that stadium from a mile away because it's huge and it's the only thing only landmark you see in the desert so that's always stood out to me every time i think of the cardinals i think of the big spaceship in the middle of the desert the one game thing that stood out goes back to 2003 which was two of the best wide receiver debuts in history, Charles Rogers for the Lions and Quan Bolden for the Cardinals. They both were outstanding in that opening game, one that was won by Detroit, 42-24. And you thought at that point, the Lions had really hit on something with Charles Rogers because this guy was outstanding. But you thought that Anquan Bolden kid in Arizona, he might be pretty good too. And he came to the Lions and was a star. Yes, he was. <laughs> I loved Anquan Bolden in Detroit. I, Charles Rogers, not so much, right? That wound up being just such a tragedy in ways. Um, but gosh, Anquan Bolden, I, I, I wish we'd have had him for so many more years. He was such a great player. I loved the the, the size. I loved the yep. way he played. He was just, that's my kind of player, like a real, mm-hmm. just a tough kind of beat him up kind of guy. Not a lot of flash, you know what I mean? But just a, a, a lunch pail, come in and knock him out of the way and grab the ball and go kind of guy. Anquan Bolden had all of the, a lot of the attributes that Calvin Johnson would bring to Detroit a few years later. Yeah. That's the type of receiver he was. We just didn't know it in 2003 at that time because he was just a big, rangy wide receiver. But a lot of what Calvin Johnson brought to lines is what Anquan Bolden brought in throughout his entire NFL career. Yep. Wasn't that 30% of Charles Rogers' career yardage on that day? It could well have been. (laughs) (laughs) It might have been. It could have been, yeah. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Hello to everyone in the chat, by the way. Um, Let's get into the injury report here. Um, Got some stuff going on with uh, some injuries. I don't know if you've heard, T.O., there's some sickness going around, too. Yeah, it's um, we were doing that in the news this this afternoon that the NFL has moved three games uh, instead of a doubleheader tomorrow. You're only going to get the Patriots and Colts because the Browns Raiders game has been moved to Monday night. And then we're going to get Tuesday night NFL action, Los Angeles, Seattle and Washington and Philadelphia. Both of those games will kick off at seven on Tuesday night. If you're curious, if you have the Sunday ticket, you'll be able to watch both of those games on Tuesday night. If you don't, you're just going to have to figure out a way to keep up with it because that's basically the way the NFL has done it at this point. But the game on Monday night will be available on the NFL network. So make your plans accordingly on that one. And there's, you know, there's a lot of young folks out there. You can always probably check the Reddit. They'll, they'll help you find a way to find it. If you don't have one of those things available. Oh yeah. There'll be, (laughs) there'll be interesting ways to find it Mm -hmm, legally, mm -hmm. illegally. Mm -hmm. We, we won't, we don't judge. I have, yeah, no, I have the Sunday ticket though. (laughs) You do? Yeah, I know a young college kid who uh, <laughs> gets me because I'm not buying DirecTV. I bought it for years. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm sorry. I cut that cord. All right, let's uh, let's talk about injury reports. Um, there's two guys out for sure. Julian mm-hmm. Aquara and DeAndre Swift. Swift, ankle and a shoulder, respectively. Uh, neither have practiced all week. DeAndre Swift, are we are we pulling the plug for the season on this, Tony? Is that where we're at? I am. 
I am. And look, they haven't officially pulled the plug yet, but at this point, he doesn't play on Sunday. That leaves him three games left. Atlanta, Seattle, Green Bay to basically get back into the lineup. And I think at this point, it's not worth it. Go ahead, pull the plug, let DeAndre Swift heal up and be better for 2022. Just let it go at this point. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. We've got Alex Ancelone. He's had limited practice on Thursday and Friday. He's questionable with an ankle. Michael Brockers. Mm-hmm. Li- Brockers. There's no T in there, Chris. Uh, limited <laughs> practice all week and questionable. Um, Will Holden has not practiced. Listed as questionable. Um, same with Jonah Jackson. Hasn't practiced. Mm-hmm. Listed as questionable. I'm, I'm going to lean towards uh, probably doubtful. <laughs> yeah, which is a big loss because, remember, Evan Brown tested positive earlier for COVID-19. I'm not 100% sure yet he's come off the list. I was looking and didn't see anything, but I think he's coming off the list if I'm not 100% sure. But that's a big loss. I mean, if you don't have Jonah Jackson and you might have to play with a backup backup center against a pretty good pass rush in Arizona, that could be a problem. Yeah. In the chat, thank God the NFL would never let a team play with 10 players in the COVID list, especially (laughs) when they have a a number of injuries already nagging at the team, right? (laughs) Yeah, that would never happen. Okay, okay, okay. Would you um, want them to move the game? I mean, seriously, do you? Would you want them to move the game, Chris? Would you want them to move it to a Tuesday night? It would, I wouldn't. It, no, because it hurts you the next week, right? Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm having, I'm having trouble. When I heard Sean Payton has COVID a second time, I'm just like, oh god. And and it's and and when I hear how it's breaking out, we talked about it in the week uh, on the show last night. I'm like. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't have fans for the Green Bay game at the end yeah. because this, you know, as this outbreak hits, it's not like you're going to have the the genie back in the bottle next week. Correct. It doesn't go that like that, right? And it's and it's an exponential spread before you get control. Does it? You look around. Are people increasing their precautions? I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it where I'm at. I don't know if you guys are in in Michigan. My wife just got back today. We haven't really been able to speak about it, but I was telling her. You know, mask up, whole thing. You know, be 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 careful because things are hot over there. Um, this this the end of the season is interesting. And and look, we're one yeah. eleven and one. I'm okay with pulling the plug at this point. <laughs> we talk about Swift and say let them rest, let them yeah. all rest, just let them all rest. I mean, I love football and I want to watch the football, but I don't know, man. Where where are you at, Tony? I'm with play out the season. You've got to play out the season, and there are several reasons why. But the biggest one is this. I don't think anybody in that Lions locker room would say, okay, you know what? Let's pull the plug after 13 games. Let's not worry about the final four games. I don't think they want to do it. There's a pride factor involved. Even even during the 0-16 season, Chris, there was a pride factor involved because the Lions did not want to be that team to go to 0-16. Did they play hard? Yes. Did they win? No. But there is a pride factor involved. And as a player, not only do you want to play out the season, but also for players whose contracts are expiring this year or players who may get cut, this may be the final chance they have to show some people what they can do on tape. And the other part of it, too, is if you quit, that gets around. The NFL is a, despite the number of players, it's kind of a small community. Quit people who quit, people who don't give the effort, it manages to go around to other teams and you have a hard time finding a job unless you want to play in the USFL. All right. You shook me out of it. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for these guys, but you're absolutely right. You can't, you can't stop. You can't stop. No. You go, and this is especially in a, in a sport like this. I mean, these guys are gladiators. The job is to Agreed. go out there and battle and win. By the way, one quick fact: that game that I was talking about, Charles Rogers and Anquan Bolden. Rogers had four catches for 38 yards, and he had two touchdowns. Anquan Bolden, ten catches, 217 yards, two touchdowns. Wow. The quarterbacks for that game, by the way. Joey Harrington for the Lions, Jeff Blake for the Arizona Cardinals. Future Hall of Famer, Jeff Blake. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Okay. Let's go with that. (laughs) Former TED Talker, Joey Harrington. Did you see his TED Talk, by the way? Yes. And I thought it was incredibly good. Massively. It's, I I really rewired my brain on on Joey Harrington. What a class guy. You know, I mean, really, really. And as, as a fan, I have to say, as a fan, how I have evolved so much over the years as to how I think of the players and the sport, yes. and 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 just even them as as people versus pieces. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, when Joey was there, it, it wasn't as it was more pieces than people. Want to win? Want to win? Want to win? But as you kind of see these things and you see him bear it in that TED talk, that's really that was moving to hear him talk about that and what it was. That was really quite inspirational. 
Joey Harrington was the first player that I covered when I was doing the Lions that I had to separate what he did on the field from what he did off the field. Off the field, Joey Harrington was a terrific human being and was just incredible to my family. When they got a chance to meet him, he was incredible to me. And you have to separate that from the player he is on the field. And he even said that in that TED Talk. But, you know, he understood that he was not the player he was supposed to be, that he struggled. But he wasn't was surrounded he, by success either, though. No, he was not. No. Oh, this is going to lead me to a question. Go ahead, Tony. Finish your thought. I've got no, I, I was just going to say it, it was easy for me to separate the player from the field than the player off the field. And I was a fan of Joey Harrington, the man. I thought there there were very few men that I met that were as good a person as Joey Harrington was. I, I will say that to my uh, to my dying day. I am still a fan of Joey Harrington, the person to this day. And to me, that's more important than being a fan of Joey Harrington, the player. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm 100% with you. Let me ask you this, because this came up a little bit, and and it's a conversation I want to continue to have, because we're talking about, uh, you know, there's all the talk about, do we want a quarterback this year and next year in the draft for the Lions? Mm -hmm. We need one. Jared Goff doesn't seem to be it, though he has played better as he's gotten some pieces. The plays Mm -hmm. have changed a little bit with Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson doing some work. Um, You know, we're starting to see maybe there's something here, but we know that in the future the Lions are going to need a quarterback. Mm-hmm. One of the things we started talking about was, let's look at uh, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence has has proved it on the field. You've seen him for years at Clemson. The guy has high football IQ, can make great passes, can make has all the physical attributes, seems to have all the mental attributes needed to be an excellent quarterback to be able to take it to the, level, the NFL level. Last week he had four interceptions, right? Mm-hmm. Now, his coach isn't going to be there anymore, but we think about this whole concept of nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence has the nature piece. He has the athletic skills. He has the mental right. acuity to to play that position. How much of this, you know, these quarterbacks, because I have to kind of go sideways a little bit here to get to the point. Um, we look at these quarterbacks. We see them come out of college. We know they're going to be hit. We know they're great quarterbacks. And then they, they hit the NFL and they don't make it. And it seems like why is the quarterback position so difficult to assess because you think we Justin Herbert coming out, we saw him at the the, the Senior Bowl. I was like, mm-hmm. this guy's not got it. Boom, he's blown up. He's 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 right. he's really shown some skill. Why is it that these guys are so hard to assess? Why is it that they miss on these strong guys? And we're starting to think how much of this is really the situation, not the quality necessarily of the team around them, though that's part of it, but the coaching they get, the playbook they get, what they're told and what they learn when they first get in the NFL and the move from the college to the pro level, what those things are. How much of just the the situation they're put in dictates the path of their career? Sam Darnold, I think, is a much better quarterback than he's probably been able to show on the field. I think in the right kind of situation, in the right, if you will, the nurture environment, mm-hmm. he could be a really, really good NFL quarterback. He's never going to get the chance. His, 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 well, his, he's, he's never going to get the chance to do that. He's never going to get the opportunity to play in that. What's your thought on that whole it's, you know, the, the old nature versus nurture debate. How much of this nurture really is playing part in what these quarterbacks become? Are they assessing them right and putting them in a bad situation? I think it's quite a bit. I think coaching is a key reason why some of these quarterbacks have fallen off the face of the earth and have not played well. Go back to Joey Harrington for a second. He did not have in Detroit a head coach who believed in him from the start. He did not. Yeah, the head yeah. coach tried to replace him several times. When you don't have that backing, it tends to affect you. And as he said in his TED Talk, once he started making mistakes, he tried even harder to not make any mistakes. And then he started making more mistakes. And then he tried harder. And the coaching just wasn't there to help him get out of that situation. Trevor Lawrence, similar situation. He seems to have gone backwards, Chris. And the guy is a good quarterback. He was touted as a generational talent coming out of the draft or going into the draft. But the problem is the coaching has left him... I don't want to pile too much on Urban Meyer, even though I think he deserves to be piled on. But the coaching just hasn't been there for Trevor Lawrence to improve. I saw, trying to remember who it was, who said that if you look at the Jacksonville playbook and you look at the plays that they run on the field, they're doing nothing that Trevor Lawrence did successfully in Clemson. When you bring in a young quarterback like that, you have to bring some of the things that he did well in college into your playbook. You have to, as a coach, be able to adjust what you're doing to the talents that you have on hand, especially a quarterback. And I think too many times you find quarterbacks or you find coaches that want to plug a quarterback into a system and that system may not fit what the quarterback can do. 
I think the Lions won't have that problem, Chris, because I think Dan Campbell's smart enough and Anthony Lynn is smart enough if he's back next year as the offensive coordinator. I think they're smart enough there, and Brad Holmes, the GM, is smart enough to know that the quarterback they have, they will adjust their offense to his talents to make sure that everything works. So let's let's think about this a little bit. Sure. And I'm, I'm starting to play this out. I don't think Anthony Lynn will be here next year. I just I just really, okay. I, I, I don't think he will. Um, that being said, you get a new offensive coordinator, and you're like, you, so we thought Anthony Lynn was the guy. We decided he's mm-hmm. not right, and I'm, I'm I'm actually in the future now, pretending this happened, right? So okay. now we have a new offensive coordinator. Who's it going to be, right? Are we going to get the next Sean McVay? How are we going to find the next? You know what I mean? This is not an ideal team. The offense was pretty stagnant this last year. Mm-hmm. Jared Goff is a big chunk of your salary cap, right? Yep. Um, most likely Jared Goff is your quarterback this year. How do you lure in your offensive coordinator and say, we're going to give you some of the pieces of the puzzle this year. We're going to get some wide receivers. We're going to, you know, maybe add a tight end. We're going to get some pieces to this puzzle here. They're going to help, but you're not going to be able to get your quarterback right away. You're going to get your quarterback maybe next year, right? right. Versus you get your quarterback this year, but we can't get those other pieces. If you're the offensive coordinator stepping into this, do you want your quarterback now? Or do you want to get the pieces and get the quarterback that fits the rest of the pieces? And that's what I'm trying to. I'm, 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 what I'm t- trying to tie together here is the the nurture side of this this equation for the Lions. And right. when does it make the right sense to get a guy and put him in the best position to succeed? Here's the thing, Chris. I think the answer to your question is yes to both of them. If you come in as the offensive coordinator, you want the pieces that you have in place. You want to add some pieces, but you also want to be able to have the quarterback that you want, who is going to take you further in the future, you want to have all that in your first year as offensive coordinator when you start putting down the elements, when you start putting down what your offense is going to look like, you want to have everything in place. And look, there are some attractive pieces. DeAndre Swift, if healthy, TJ Hawkinson, the offensive line, which has played well this year, a guy like Penny Sewell, for example, leading that. There are some pieces. Jamal Williams is another piece that I think is a good one. There are some pieces in place that will be attractive to an offensive coordinator or to whomever the Lions try to attract as an offensive coordinator if Anthony Lynn leaves after the season. So there are some pieces in place. And look, if you're an offensive coordinator looking for that position, you get the chance to shape a quarterback that can lead your offense in the future. I think that's attractive as well. You're, yes, you do have somebody who's coming back, but you also get the chance to shape that future knowing that guy who's currently starting, Jared Goff, may not be back in 2023. Yeah, no, I love it. I love, I love, and I love that we're a little off script here with this conversation. I'd love to no, hear your thoughts on this. This is this is really good stuff. So now let me ask you one more thing, and this is something I've been kicking around a little bit, and I and I did it sure. with uh, with Risden, and he doesn't like this idea. But Uh-oh. if I think, <laughs> so you probably won't either. Uh, but when we, I was, you know, people thought I was nuts when I first asked about, you know, is all the drops and lines have something to do with the way Matthew Stafford throws the ball? A lot of people have come around to that <laughs> these, these <laughs> last year here. Um, there's this, this kind of change that's going on with the idea of having two quarterbacks. Like they when they had Drew Brees and Taysom Hill in the Saints. And I'm not saying that you want Taysom Hill – or you went Drew Brees, right? But they had two quarterbacks that brought two different skill sets when they were on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, if I think back to the running back position, it used to be you had a bell cow, you had Priest mm-hmm. Holmes, and he and he he was your running back. That's it. You have Barry Sanders; he's your running right. back. That's it. That's the way the NFL used to work. Running back by committee. When it first started happening, people were like, "What the heck? You, you got to let your guy get in his groove. You're not letting. You're not. This is this is this is crazy, right?" And they were highly paid, long term players back then. These these these, sure. these running backs. That's changed. We we now are running back by committee as a, as a league and as a fan. We we accept. We don't have one running back. We have multiples, and we and we need multiples to survive the right. season. And it's it's helped the salary cap. I mean, we probably sp- spend the same amount on running backs that we used to spend. Except now it's broken down that if somebody gets injured, you're not completely at a loss because you have a group of folks making that's about the same amount of money. Okay. I think about the quarterback position and I think about some of the evolution that's happened. Like we've seen with the saints, we've seen some other teams play with this a little bit. Economically, your quarterback takes up the biggest chunk of your salary cap, right? Agreed. I mean, other than, unless, unless you have Justin Fields or, you know, you just drafted him, right? Brand new. But once you, you're, you're, you're past your rookie deal, they, they take a giant chunk of your cap. 
What about the quarterback by committee? The idea of having a mobile quarterback who can throw the ball well, like you, like if you could, you could pair, um, like oh God, this is crazy. Like a, I'm, I'm taking generational guys differently, but it, a Lamar Jackson and a Joe Montana, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you put the two together, boy, what a one-two punch, right? But if you can commoditize the position from an economic standpoint and get guys with two different skill sets that you can bring out, you could put, put them on the same on the field at the same time. You could do all kinds of different things with them. You could really change the game of football. What do you think about that? And if I start thinking about Jared Goff, I could take a quarterback this year later in the first round that might fill my my needs if I have a make a mobile quarterback. And then next year with a lot of passing quarterbacks, I have all the capital I need to move up to get a passing quarterback. Goff's off the books. I have the money available to do something like that. What are your thoughts on on, on an evolution of the NFL of that type taking place? Do you think it's it's absolutely impossible or do you think there's potential? I don't think it's impossible because we're seeing it, like you said, in New Orleans with Taysom Hill. I don't hate the idea. I don't love it because I'm kind of old school with this, yeah. Chris, which yeah. is like the great Bill Parcells once said, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Yeah. So that's why I don't, I like the fact I have one quarterback that I can count on, but here's why I'm not opposed to it because I've seen change of pace quarterbacks come in, whether it's at least early in the season before they started their role, Trey, Trey Lance in San Francisco, great point. relieving Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. here in Michigan. It was JJ McCarthy relieving Cade McNamara, yeah. giving him a, a breather and being able to run the offense. So I don't dislike the idea, but I think to have your best success, you need to have that one steady hand at the wheel at quarterback. And again, I'll go back to the 49ers. Once Trey Lance got hurt and they had to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo full time, Garoppolo played his best football because he wasn't looking over his shoulder, knowing that at any point Trey Lance was going to come in and replace him and he'd lose that rhythm. And I think that's the one thing that has to be weighed. Is your quarterback strong enough to do that? Drew Brees was strong enough to know that when Taysom Hill came in, it was not a case where he was going to get pulled because he's Drew Brees. I don't know if you have that same kind of level of confidence if you're Jared Goff considering the season that you're going through. So the one thing you have to consider is, does the quarterback that you are replacing have the confidence to be able to be replaced, leave for a couple of plays, and then come back in and be able to do his job and lead the team down the field. Yeah. I think that's the key. You have to have a good quarterback there with a mental makeup who understands that this is a strategy move and not a move to bench him. It's like getting a dog and a cat as a pet. You really want to get them together when they're young, sure. right? <laughs> yes. Or or they're, they're strong enough to stand on their own and not, and not worry about each other. That's, that's really the kind of the two things. I think about, like, if you would have said Drew Brees is going to be gone from the Saints. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, you're going to say, oh, God, the records, they're, they're going to tank, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're in trouble. They're six and seven. I mean, they're, they're not out of anything at this point, and they're doing well. And Taysom, it's Taysom Hill, who's not a great throwing quarterback. I'm, no. I'm not a Taysom Hill, fan, Taysom Hill fan. He's just a good example <laughs> of this kind of a situation. I, I honestly think, just from the economic standpoint, again, if you have two – uh, two quarterbacks, if you have uh, Drew Brees go down, you do have Taysom Hill who can play that role right. and be your one guy. Because um, th- right now, if Matthew Stafford went down, we saw what happened to the team. If if uh, Patrick Mahomes goes down, you you know what's going to happen. If Aaron Rodgers goes down, you have all those eggs in the basket of one person. And again, Correct. all that salary cap. You look at the Lions right now with, what is it, $113 million of $180 in, in salary cap not on the field. It's either dead cap or injured right now. Yeah, You can't field the team with that kind of money to be able to free that up. I'm interested in this. It's, I don't know that it's going to happen. I just, from an economic standpoint and from an ability standpoint and an availability standpoint, it really is intriguing to me as to how that could affect and be kind of you see these next things that happen in the NFL that kind of change how things work, and those teams that move to them earlier tend to do well. And then you see a lot of teams try to move to things that they think will be the next team, and then that puts right. them in a hole for the next five years. Right? <laughs> I will say this much: um, this is why I don't hate the idea because if you use a rookie in that position, like Trey Lance in San Francisco, going back to that, that means he's closer and closer to taking over eventually, and he's got the NFL experience because he was able to play in a regular season game. So that's why I don't hate this idea. Anything that can get your quarterback further along in the development process is good. Mm-hmm. The problem is you have to make sure that the guy he's stepping in for has is mentally strong enough to understand this is just part of the situation. We're not benching you. This is just part of the playbook. If he's not mentally strong enough to handle that, if he doesn't understand that, 
or if he starts looking over his shoulder and starts making mistakes because he's stressing because he might get pulled, mm-hmm. then the experiment is a complete failure. And we've seen that before with other teams where they've tried the two quarterback system and it's just completely blown up on them because the quarterbacks just didn't match up with the offensive system. And the one quarterback started looking over his shoulder. Yeah, which is why, like I say, you get them young. The Lions are in a unique position where they could get one this year and get one next year. And 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 both of them know what the role is when they start, right? You're drafted to be in this type of thing. This is the role you're going to be. If the other guy gets hurt, you're the guy, right? But if you get hurt, he's the guy. Right now, yep. we, we have a role for you. We have a role for him. Makes playbooks kind of difficult to write, I think, because there's yeah. so much more to them. I mean, it does definitely complicates the overall offense and what you're doing with it. But And Chris, we've seen it here in Detroit. Going back again to Joey Harrington, we had the Joey Harrington slash Jeff Garcia debate. Yeah, because Garcia was standing right there and if Harrington made too many mistakes, he was going to get pulled and Jeff Garcia was going to be in and that led to more mistakes. And again, you have to have two quarterbacks who understand their roles going in and you have to make sure that the guy you want in that position understands that if he gets pulled, it's just situational. And that didn't happen in Detroit. It was I'm looking over my shoulder. I can't make these mistakes. I'm looking over my shoulder. The coach is going to keep pulling me. The coach is going to keep pulling me. And it, it just leads to the destruction of a quarterback. And as it turns out, it set the Lions franchise back until 2009 when they were able to grab Matthew Stafford. Which eventually wound up being in 2021. All right. Looking back to the injury report, <laughs> we we uh, look to two gentlemen who are out. Robert Alford, cornerback with a mm-hmm. uh, pectoral, issue, pectoral issue. And DeAndre Hopkins is out, which for the Lions is, is quite helpful, actually. because we Yeah, it really is because he's the Cardinals' best wide receiver. Yep. Although A.J. Green and Rondell Moore have played well of late for the Cardinals. so But losing Hopkins, that's Kyler Murray's favorite target. And he's the guy that Kyler Murray counts on in tough situations. Although there's another guy he counts on in tough situations of late who's questionable. And when you get to him, I'll say ding. Zach Ertz. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> hamstring, too. That's a tough one. That's a tough one, yeah. especially for a, a guy with a hamstring as thick as his. <laughs> yeah. But ever since he's come over from Philadelphia, he has turned into a very dependable weapon for Kyler Murray. And again, if he can't find DeAndre Hopkins, the number two guy he looks for in that situation is Zach Ertz. Number three, by the way, is also on the questionable list, and that's James Conner, who has turned into a touchdown machine late. Or, or I'm sorry, close to the goal line. Yep. But he's also a guy who's really given them a good running game in in Arizona. Something when he signed there, I didn't think was possible. Yep, he didn't practice Wednesday, Thursday. He's limited today, so that's that's interesting. Ankle, that's a tough one too. You know. Yeah, that means so, Chase Edmonds. Yep, yep. Which looks really good for the Lions, which is why we are just so stoked to see how they're going to do. Uh, Tony, we've got uh, the weather report for this game. 32 degrees, partly cloudy at kickoff. No call for precipitation. Is What's the wind going to be like at Ford Field? <laughs> you know, you know Ford Field does not have a wind problem like the Metrodome <laughs> did, RIP Metrodome. Um, I think they'll be good. <laughs> okay. Thank you, sir. Uh, somewhere oh. Jim Brandstetter's laughing. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the matchups. What are you looking at out there? I, I mean, it's it's really everything for me. I was like, I mean, my notes are: can we score some points? Can we stop the pass? <laughs> it's really everything. That's pretty much it. I mean, look, the one thing I'm looking at is the Lions' offense, which has been decimated without Hawkinson, without Swift. Can they move the ball on a on a, an aggressive? Arizona Cardinals defense that played well against the Los Angeles Rams the first time they met. And look, Monday night, they played well in spots against the Rams, even though they ended up losing the game. I think that defense is underrated. A lot of people talk about the offense, but I think the Cardinals defense is very good. They love to get pressure on the passer, even with J.J. Watt out and injured. And I think keeping Jared Goff upright and keeping him from getting pressured is going to be the key to this game because if they collapse the pocket and Goff's got to make plays, and he's got a roll out to do it, it could get ugly because I've never seen a quarterback roll into many sacks, as many sacks as Jared Goff has this season. I, I just feel like if, you know, Quintez Cephas, Tyrell Williams, I mean, um, Frank Ragnow, all these guys, if they were healthy, this team is nowhere near as bad as we feel like it is right now. I mean, there's some... No some bright spots here as to how far this team can make, uh, how big a jump they can make between this year and next year. 
which may be pretty key for that second first round pick in the following year because you, you have that thing you talk about with, uh, oh, well, we had Matthew Stafford forever. We were in quarterback purgatory. We couldn't get the draft picks because he's good for four, five, six wins a year. Just, right. just being there. Um, maybe this team is a four, five, six win team when healthy. And we suddenly wind up there and have a couple draft picks this year, two first rounders and so on that get us to even uh, more competitive level. It's really about having two first round picks next year uh, in 23. That's really going to help this team kind of stay away from that purgatory problem and make that next level jump. And let me say this about Jared Goff, since I was ungracious with the last comment, let me say something gracious with this comment. When he's had time, when the offensive line has kept the pass rush off of him, Goff has been able to find targets and has been able to get the ball downfield and has played well in spots, in spots. The problem is the offensive line is banged up. Two of his biggest weapons are gone. So the question now becomes, does he have, will he have enough time against an Arizona Cardinals pass rush? It's pretty good to be able to make some plays down the field. He has, however, given time, been decent. Yep. I will throw away the Broncos game due to illness and COVID and, and injury and everything else. The rest of the games, though, since Dan Campbell's taken over in the bye week and Ben Johnson's taken over and the work that they, Josh Reynolds came in, we were mm-hmm. talking about it takes it takes two, three weeks to get a new wide receiver midseason really sure. into form. And you know how good OBJ is? You saw how he played the first week. He had one reception for just a couple of yards. I mean, there's, right. you can't you just can't get them into the offense. They can't know the play that uh, the playbook that well that quickly. And at the same time, when you're you're iterating on the playbook as they did when when uh, Dan Campbell started working it with uh, with Ben, um, watching the evolution since that bye week has really shown um, has it has elevated the level of the offense and Jared Goff. Jared Goff before the bye versus after the bye. The bye is two different quarterbacks, just just in air yards, you know, <laughs> under the ball, right. right? But his play is different. He still rolls into to the rush. I don't, I, I don't, he has this, just this inability to sense, right? The pocket sense the pressure, but um, he has done much, much better. Uh, McCollum is center. Wasn't helpful against Denver. Obviously, yeah. you know, what, what, what is he? The backup to the backup to the backup yes. at that point. I mean, and, and nothing against McCollum, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's depth, depth, depth on the team and sure. he played the game and he, I mean, he played, at the level you would expect. That's why he's at that level of depth, right, on the team. You just you don't want to start those guys. It's just where you are. Um, right. Nothing, you know, that was that was it. Goff had to deal with it. He didn't didn't deal with it well. He doesn't deal with pressure well. We all knew that when we picked him up. We, we, we knew that's his, you know, that's kind of the nature of who he is. Keep him clean with some of these new plays. It, it he becomes can be effective. different. Yeah, and, and I think By the there's way, something about him. Chris, I don't throw out the Denver game for one simple reason. The fact that the Broncos were able to run the ball as well as they did against the Lions, that's a concern because if I'm Arizona coming off a short week playing Monday night, I might do the exact same thing, which is run the ball against the Lions with Connor if he plays and Edmonds and that running Kyler Murray running that's the ball as the well. One, yep. Control time of possession. And here's the thing. If this game is a shootout, the Lions aren't going to win because they don't have enough offense to keep up with the Cardinals. Hmm. If the Cardinals shorten the game, the Lions are in trouble because, again, that's going to force them to play catch-up, and I don't think they have enough offensive pieces to be able to play a game like that with the Cardinals. The best hope for the Lions in this game is to force the Cardinals into some turnovers, hope that the short week affects them and they're not coming out firing the way they did against the Los Angeles Rams. That's a way for the Lions to stay into this game. But again, if I'm the Cardinals, I go into it with a similar game plan as Denver. Run the ball on the Lions, force them to stop the run, eat up time of possession, eat up the clock, move it down the field, force the Lions to go into their depth, which, as we talked about last week against Denver, is starting to really thin out. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about this a little bit ahead of time. Um, the the idea that it's a short week, the fact that, you know, likely Arizona spent a whole ton of time and effort prepping for the Rams. That was the big game. This, this yep. is, I mean, this is an ideal trap game for them, right? We're Absolutely. not going to – they're one eleven. We don't need to think about them. We're going to beat them with just our base yeah. offense, right? Let's focus on the Rams. They have a short week after the Rams. They were, you know, walkthroughs, not a real lot of real practice going on for these guys, a couple injuries. A lot of things stacked up to put this lined up and give you that – sort of any given Sunday effect. They're, they're, that's, and I think that's the best chance for the Lions to win this game is the any, any given Sunday effect. <laughs> Here's the one thing, though. If the Cardinals had beaten the Rams, I would have felt 
better about the whole any given Sunday effect. Unfortunately, the Rams, thank you, Matthew Stafford, beat the Cardinals. And as a result, they're kind of a bit angry that they're coming into this game needing this win because if you notice, the Cardinals in the whole hierarchy of the NFL playoff system, they drop from first to third in the NFC, which means they will have to go either to Tampa or to Green Bay at this point if they want to make the Super Bowl. And I don't give them a good shot of beating Tampa in Tampa. And I definitely don't think this team is going to roll into Green Bay and beat the Packers in Lambeau Field in January. Don't right. think it's going to happen. No, no, I, I, I fully agree. Thank you again for the hose job, Matthew Stafford. <laughs> <laughs> we, You know what? Just it's been a more. year. Matthew Stafford hasn't been blamed for anything. Let's blame him for this. <laughs> yeah, he, he, we can blame him for decades. Don't you worry. <laughs> We didn't ask him to leave. All right. By the way, we're just kidding about blaming Matthew Stafford. It's just a joke. He's a fine, fine human being. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about the odds brought to you by Amazon, Amazon.com. No, that's not how to do it. You don't want to go to Amazon.com. You want to go to Amazon.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Why? There you go. Because they know we sent you there. And they say, ah, Jeff Bezos. We don't need to worry about him. We're going to take a little money out of his pocket. We're going to give it over to the podcast, help the guys out. You were going to do that anyway. You were going to go do your shopping, get your gifts, spend those gift cards that you got as gifts. You're going to do it at Amazon.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Help out the podcast. A couple extra keystrokes, and that's it. And you're there, and everybody's happy. It's awesome. Go on over. Amazon.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Help out the show by doing something you were going to do anyway. Odds on this game. Vegas mm-hmm. is interesting. Um, <laughs> Cardinals, interestingly, they're favored. Uh, 12 and a half points. I'd stay away from that. Yeah. Because I'm not exactly sure they're going to come in and blow out the Lions, but I'm not exactly sure the Lions are going to keep the game that close either. I think 12 and a half is that that sweet spot where it's like, eh, no, I can't do it. If it was 14, I might consider it. If it was 10, I definitely consider it. But 12 and a half, that's right in the middle where you just don't want to be. No, no, they know what they're doing over there. Oh yeah, <laughs> they know exactly what they're doing. <laughs> I'm just, I, I am, uh, you know, kind of hearkening back to what you said. I'm really nervous about the Kyler uh the Kyler Murray run what yeah. he's going to do his feet may, may well just tear this Lions defense apart this week so we shall see money line Lions are plus 460 just mm-hmm. enough to taunt you to come in but sure Cardinals at minus 650 tells you all you need to know <laughs> exactly stay away from the money line guys sorry and the over under where what's the number that you would say I'm going to put something in here you know what? The Cardinals have an explosive offense. The Lions don't. Um, let's go with 47. You are masterful. 47 and a half. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I'd stay away from that, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you just don't know. Is, is this Cardinals up? team rested and relaxed? And are they going to waltz in and, and blow out the Lions? Or is this going to be one of those games where they're coming off a short week and the score stays low because they play a ball control type of, of game? I, I would stay away from all of the bets this week. The money line, the Vegas, and the over-under. I'd just stay away from all of it. I put a 1,000 on the money line. No, I'm just joking. I didn't put anything out there for now. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere near this one. All right, let's get to it. The uh, the the we'll try English this time. Fanatics final outcome. <laughs> what do you got for prediction? Oh, fanatics.detroitlionspodcast.com. So you can get your Kyler Murray jersey if you're interested, or any of your other jerseys. You can get a Stafford Rams jersey. You can get any. You know, the Jerry Jacobs jersey is a nice one. Support our guy out there. He's he's looking yeah. good. And uh, head on over to fanatics at DetroitLionsPodcast.com for all your needs for college, pro, any sport. It's all there. And same kind of thing. Support the podcast by doing something you were going to do anyway. All right, Tony, your Fanatics final outcome prediction. What do you have? You know what? Thank you for mentioning Jerry Jacobs because that's a huge loss for the Lions. He had played well in the secondary, and he would be a player that I would spotlight and focus and have a key on against the Cardinals because of their receivers, because of A.J. Green, Rondell Moore. That's a guy you feel comfortable putting on one of those guys. But with no Jerry Jacobs, that kind of leaves the secondary exposed. Um, I think the Cardinals come in and beat the Lions. I don't think they're going to roll up a huge number on the Lions, but I don't think it's going to be a small number either. So put me down for 28-14 Cardinals. Mm, okay. I'm, my, I, I'm dealing with inflation over here. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're going to come in and they're going to roll over the Lions as well. And it's because we don't have Jerry. Love you, buddy. Uh, we're looking at probably a 35 to 17 
Cardinals over the Lions. I'm pushing the over on this one because I just, again, I think they're going to want to come in with a ball control offense, Mm -hmm. but they're just too effective. I I don't think the Lions can stop. And once they see Kyler Murray running and moving, then all of a sudden, you know, A.J. Parker's back, but he hasn't played in a bit. Right. You're going to see some wide open receivers, and he's just not going to be able to hold on to the ball. They're going to they're going to find very quickly that they can do just about anything they want on the field. Uh, the Lions have been decimated. I hope it's an even, any given Sunday game. I really, really do. Um, the one thing I was worried about was will the Lions make Senior Bowl because we cover it every year, mm-hmm. and uh, if we win too many games, right, that takes us out of it. Urban Meyer situation now that pretty much guarantees yeah. the Lions a spot in the senior bowl as coaches so i'm really excited about that i'm okay taking a win uh yeah yeah you know what daryl bevel's stepping in in jacksonville do we all remember what daryl bevel did in his first game as interim head coach last year for the lions he is the most successful (laughs) journeyman interim head coach in the history of the nfl i think the jaguars are a lock sunday bevel is going to get them to a win over the texans i agree now, if this all backfires on me, I'm sure people will let me know. But I just think Bevel, interim head coach, first game after getting rid of a coach who was not well liked by the players, that has a familiar ring to it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it's it, the, the stats I saw uh, last year. The stats bear that out too. That first game for an interim, it doesn't tend to sustain itself. But if they're meeting right. the, to meet the Texans, what a perfect matchup for them. I know. Oh, God, Darryl Bevel. That's Darryl the team, Bevel. by the way, that concerns me as far as the number one overall pick in the Senior Bowl, the Houston Texans. Yeah, they'll they'll be nice. It, they they have the potential to be number one overall. I was yeah. one of my things was as long as we're the top four, I'm okay. And 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 frankly, to pick up a couple victories, that's you learn to win by winning. I don't mind if we do that. I don't mind if we wind up picking third or fourth. But if we pick first or second or third, if the uh, the the Jaguars wind up that bad, that's okay. Right. We wind up coaching the super the Senior Bowl, and and that means. We could get some really good interviews down there. <laughs> the thing that concerns, yeah, and that's the, you know, it's important that we do that. The concern <laughs> to me is that the Texans could lose out and the Lions do have that one winnable game next week on the schedule, the day after Christmas against the Atlanta Falcons. That's what concerns me that I think the Texans could lose out and the Lions could pick up that one win. And, you know, they both would be sitting there with two wins. Now, granted, here's where it gets interesting. That tie against the Pittsburgh Steelers. While it might help the Steelers, it could hurt the Lions because if the Texans go two and fifteen and the Lions go two fourteen and one, the Texans have the worst record, which means they get the number one pick. So what we're saying is, even though it's a tie, they won and we lost. It's yeah. the Lions always figure a way. Pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. All right, all right. That's your game preview. Lions Cardinals one o'clock on Sunday. As of mm-hmm. right now, nobody's sick, so it seems like we're going that way. Uh, don't forget, we got I think our- the NFL's done moving games around for a while, Chris. <laughs> this week, thank you. We've got our post game show. Big news for the post game show this week: Case is back. Case Yay. is back. He's joining us Sunday after the game. Um, that'll be a lot of fun to have him back in the studio. So that we'll be doing that. The Wednesday podcast with Riz, we'll be doing that. And then um, went to figure out Tony. I think it's Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's Christmas Eve. I'm even off from work on Christmas Eve, believe it or not. Does that mean you don't want to see my mug? I didn't say that. Okay, we'll we'll talk about it. Maybe we'll do the 20th. Talk about it, yes. All right, cool. That's the the plan right now. We got sort of a plan. The rest of it will come together, I'm certain. (laughs) (laughs) Because the plans always come together. All right, we got some good stuff. Can I show you something really quick, Tom? Yeah, what you got? Okay, so I'll show you three quick things. This is just the the can koozies. These are new. These are pretty cool. Nice. We've got rally towels now. I, we just got the first samples, and I love these. Love these. One with the logo. Oh wow! Right, I like that. Right? I like awesome. the one. The one on the right, I really like the one with the lion with the head with yeah. the uh, headset. That's really cool. I like yeah. that design. He's a cool, cool logo. Yeah, and because you like that so much, we had this made. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna. You don't know. <laughs> you're gonna be like, what in the heck? Check this. Out. Okay, I showed it on that one Wednesday. Oh, what is that? A suitcase. It's a cabin-sized suitcase. Let me put it up here. That it's it's the maximum size to carry on, right? Okay. It's got the the whole. Oh, you can't really see because the lighting. Oh well. No, it's, I can it's, see. It's it's full blown inside. It's like the, the nice. whole thing. It's got the telescoping puller. It's got the TSA locks, and it's got that logo that you love so much in the front. Where were you when I was traveling? 
Where was this when I was traveling? I don't know. I don't know what happened. It's <laughs> really, really nice. Really nice thing. I got. I just got the first sample. That was it. And I was. I'm just enthralled with it. I love it. I can't wait. I love the suitcase. That's a good. And that design, really. That the lion with the headset is a really cool design. Well done, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. I got to give Trev credit. I'm. I'm not. I'm not that good. <laughs> well done, Trev. I'll give you credit. <laughs> if you would like any of those items or some of the great new shirts. DetroitLionsPodcast.com slash store. DetroitLionsPodcast.store. Cool. Or the koozie. The can koozie right now. I was going to do this Wednesday. I got to do it tonight. This mm-hmm. is the perfect size for your your slim kind of stu- uh, cans, like your, mm-hmm. your seltzers, that kind of stuff. I'll have the one for the regular 12-ounce fat cans uh, today, uh, tonight. I'll get that up there. I promise you guys can get that cool. your answer. Good stuff. With that, we thank you for joining us. Have a great time uh, this weekend. We will see you after the game Sunday, after the any given Sunday victory that uh, T.O. predicted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't forget us about us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast, patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast, and get access to the Slack, which is indeed the most intelligent Lions chat on the internet. You just donate a dollar a month. That's it. Boom, you're in. You can give more if you'd like. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at DET Lions Podcast, DET Lions Podcast, or AJ Ortiz 3 for the sexiest man at WWJ. Let's face it. If, if there was a calendar, you would, be the, you would be the cover guy. You would be the cover guy. I'm still looking for that guy, but thank you for saying that. But I don't know who that guy is. It was Spider-Man. What was the other costume? <laughs> <laughs> Nope, we are not going there. Nope. <laughs> Give us a call via Skype, Detroit Lions Podcast, the whole one word, Detroit Lions Podcast, or call us on the Lions line at 929-33-LIONS, 929-335-4667, and be sure to go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com, subscribe to the podcast so we can show up in your ears automatically. Hit the like, the subscribe, the bell, all that stuff for my YouTube people. Love it when you guys do that. Hey, Mike or Mike, see you in there. Uh, thank you for tuning in. We're going to see you next time on the Detroit Lions podcast. Remember, no pants, no toasters, no hot tubs, no problems, because we're your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. Final seconds winding down, and look at that. How big is that? Chris and Case out of time. Pack the bag, start the plane. This show is over. You've had enough of that shit.